This week on Rotten or Righteous, we find out, is he dead? back to Rotten or Righteous. It is a weekly podcast where we watch faith-based media and let you know whether or not you should roll your gospel chariot along and stop and pick it up or run right over it. I'm your host, Zach Geiler, and with me as always is a man who was once believed to be hit by a train, just bluey, nothing left but a grease spot on the L&M, but he didn't get hit by no train because he's bona fide. Scott Judge. Scott, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm bona fide. You're a suitor. And joining us today is a very special guest, the man who started the rumor that Scott got hit by a train because a lot of respectable people have been hit by trains. Judge Hobby over in Cooksville was hit by a train just last week. Steve Hagwood. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing better than I deserve. How y'all doing? I'm doing just as good as I deserve. (laughs) You're doing better than you deserve. Uh, I'm still still racking my brain. Uh, For the listeners, Steve is an old instructor of Scott and and me back when we were in preaching school. And I'm still just absolutely baffled why in the world you would agree to do something as stupid as as this podcast that started by, of all people, me and Scott. I think uh, probably Corona got to my brain or something. (laughs) Corona virus, that is. Momentary. <laughs> that was one of those slow burning kind of jokes. <laughs> I got nothing for that. <laughs> yep. It is the first time in my life I've ever been feeling sad for a beer company because I'm just thinking <laughs> to myself, those poor guys. Of all the terrible there were names. people, I think, that, that uh, people that avoided the beer for a while because of the association with the name, they thought they could catch it from the beer. There, so there I'm was. thinking, hey, where's where's Budweiser disease, you know? We need yeah. to come up with a Budweiser 2020. <laughs> you could get two in one there, can you? We got, hey, we got Jack Daniels influenza coming next month. <laughs> All right. This week we watched the third episode of the VidAngel series, The Chosen. But before we get into our discussion of the, the episode, we have to go through our special segment called Summary Delivery. It is where I deliver a summary of the episode to you in five minutes or less. So, Scott, tell me when to go. A one. A two. A three. Jesus is praying for God to speak to him at night. He's in distress and then his eyes get big as we go into the opening credits and theme song. Next, we're introduced to a little girl named Abigail, who's skipping towards the creek with her doll, and her mom shouts, No swimming! before she gets too far away. She reaches Jesus' camp, but the Lord's nowhere to be seen. After examining some of his tools, Abigail finds a bowl of dates. After pretending to feed her doll a little snack, she thinks about eating some herself, but thinks better of it. That night at dinner, Abigail asks for permission to play with her friend Joshua on tomorrow. But her mom says, That's fine, you can go and do that, as long as you don't go swimming. Going swimming is really the only role that her mom has, it seems. The next day, Joshua is uh, led to Jesus' camp by Abigail as she's talking a mile a minute. And when they get there, they see Jesus and hide behind some rocks. After Jesus makes some funny noises, the kids come out and Jesus gives Abigail some of the dates she didn't steal yesterday. 
The next day, Abigail brings like the entire first century Little Rascals crew with her as they go to Jesus' tent and ask if they, they can hang out. Jesus says they can uh, hang out, but they're going to need to help them with some work. So the kids spend the next several days asking Jesus questions and listening as the Lord tells them all sorts of awesome things, and eventually it's time for Jesus to go. But before he leaves, he carves a couple of horses for Abigail to play with. The show ends with Abby playing with her new toys. I didn't even time myself. I know that wasn't five minutes. But did I miss any crucial plot points in that first episode yes. there? Yes. Yes. Okay. The only rule was not that she not go swimming. Remember at the <laughs> dinner table, she had to finish her chores first. Well, that's true. I just found it was funny that, that the mom said, like, Five times, don't go swimming. Now, it, I, I, I don't know if that was a, a safety thing or if that was a modesty thing. As she was a girl and she was going to go play with that boy named Joshua. But whatever well, The first it was, time she wasn't playing with Joshua, she wasn't going to go swimming. So maybe it's a crocodile thing. Yeah, maybe. I didn't they have think crocodiles were... over there? I was was really going to lean on you heavily for all the uh, information. (laughs) They're they're everywhere in Jerusalem. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's what Jerusalem's famous for. They're famous for... They're all over the place. The Gaza Gaza Strip and crocodiles. That's... (laughs) Alright, so let's get into the meat of the episode. Scott... What are some of the things that you like? What 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 stood out at you or stood out at you as uh, uh, positives from this episode? I gotta be there honest, with you, Steve. I feel bad for you um, because I have very little I found wrong with this episode. It's gonna be very hard to to make this funny or point out uh, cheesy things for like the last couple of episodes. But uh, right, it was a very good episode. I'll say that at the top. But Scott, sorry for cutting you off. But go ahead and talk. I thought it was a good episode too, but. No, that, that that's all right. There was a couple things that uh, really impressed upon me, and one was when they showed Jesus praying. And I think, according to according to Scripture, we see how often Jesus prayed, and a lot of times at night. And I think it was a good picture of him, even as they opened up. They you know, we see him praying uh, to God, and it's just it's so heartfelt uh, as he's praying. He's praying at night. Uh, the other thing is the look in his eyes, the look on his face when the kids were quoting the Shema. And you could just really see how that moved and impressed him. And we've talked about the actors within the within the show and how they're doing. Most of them are doing such a good job of portraying the feelings to those that are watching. And I felt that with Jesus as he was watching them and just so impressed as they were as they were hearing, as they were learning. Uh, I agree. It's it's a good it's a good show, a good episode. Um, a lot of and, things. And we'll that, get and we'll get into more of that as we go on, but. Just your initial uh, uh, views of the show. You, you basically covered the two biggest things on my list as well, is that uh, they, they pictured Jesus praying a lot, and then the actor was able to portray that love. You could feel that love that Jesus had for those kids throughout the episode. Steve, did anything yeah. else stand out to you? What, what's your, your just uh, uh, initial reaction to uh, this episode? Well, a, a lot of the same things you guys had was the prayers and, and the response that Jesus had to the children, you know, he says, suffer the little children, you know, to come unto me. And when he said that, um, people were actually trying to get the children to leave him alone. And he said, mm-hmm. no, please allow the children to come unto me. So I thought I thought it was a very important 
attribute of Jesus that sometimes we overlook when we look at him in, in situations where he's standing toe to toe with the scribes and Pharisees. And he's, uh, you know, he, he's even standing toe to toe with Pilate. Right. Um, and yet he's so gentle with the children. And, and I thought that aspect was, was very important for them to bring out. And, and the fact that he was the, the teacher's side of Jesus mm-hmm. that they were able to bring out because that's such a, to teach with patience right. the way that he did. And the, and the young man who says, well, he pushed me. And so I pushed him down and, and Jesus said, well, that's why he got punished. And the boy was like, what? And then he didn't, he didn't excoriate the kid. He didn't say you, you, you shouldn't do that. But he, he gave him the principle from the scriptures as to why that shouldn't. And it's just God's yeah. let God deal with that. And you try to be something different, you know, and the way that he was, he was gentle with that, but he brought them to that place. I thought was, was very, very much like the image of Christ that I see in the Gospels. And yes. and I'm glad you brought that up too. And a little bit later on, I'm actually uh, wanting, I want to read that entire sermon and just kind of stop and talk about as we go through, because that whole final scene, that really long uh, uh, monologue between Jesus and the kids, the things that he says in that is absolutely fantastic from start mm-hmm. yeah. to end. Yeah. And, uh, well, let's just kind of start at the beginning. We're, we're introduced to a, um, we're introduced to a little girl, Abigail, who is, uh, sneaking into Jesus's camp there at the beginning and she doesn't, uh, eat the dates, but she's playing with her doll and she fed some dates to her doll, but, but Jesus let that slide. But, uh, 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 we're introduced to her and then, uh, she brings her friend, um, Uh, What's his name? Joshua the Brave. Joshua. Joshua the Brave. Yep. She brings her friend Joshua back with her the next day. And Jesus kind of introduces himself. But the way he draws the kids out of hiding, because they're hiding behind that rock, just kind of watching him. And Jesus is praying for his food. And then he kind of adds a little joke there. And he goes, if there's any, if there's two little kids hiding behind a rock, uh, I pray that they have the courage to come out and say shalom. And I pray that if there are ever two children who come visit my home here, that you will give them the courage Stay. to say shalom, no. so that they will know they do not have to remain in hiding. He's a good man. Amen. And then he gets up and starts blowing raspberries and, and making funny noises to make these kids laugh. Stay. We are going to stay. Ah! <laughs> That sound I hear. <laughs> Sheep don't sound like that. <laughs> no, that's definitely not sheep. Maybe a rooster? Greetings, children. What did you think about that? Because, like I said, this has given us a whole different picture of Jesus than maybe what we get just reading the gospel accounts. What, I loved what you, it. Yeah. I, I loved it, and I, and I think that there are some people that just have a natural ability to work with kids that can say the right thing at the right time, that can do the right things at the right time. And it was fun for me to watch Jesus as he started making those funny sounds because he was able to engage them with what they were what they were hearing. Uh, so it, it really, to me, sees the 
uh, humanity and the love of Jesus as he had for the young ones, particularly in that scene right there, as he was trying to come across not threatening and that he wasn't going to hurt them. And certainly Abigail um, is the one that then comes out and just starts rapid firing questions. And, you know, how often do we see parents go, oh, I don't do that. And even Joshua himself said, don't ask him that. Don't ask him mm-hmm. that. Uh, but, started but, asking him about money. About money. money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed that. And you could see, uh, I think as Steve said, you know, just make the comments, suffer, suffer the little kids to come unto me. He loved children. And that's the gospel picture that we have and tells that, you know, even in the gospel tells us unless we become like children. And I think that's an important aspect that, that we think about and study as we consider this episode. Yeah, that actually brought up a question that just popped into my head was... Um... When she asked how Jesus is making his money, Jesus is, is staying in a tent beside some creek somewhere uh, outside of Capernaum. Um, we know from the timeline of the show that this is before he really kicks his ministry into high gear. He hasn't called the fishermen yet. He hasn't uh, uh, really the only thing he's done was hear, heal Mary Magdalene. And, and for our uh, discussion on that, you can listen to the first episode of this podcast. So it's early in his ministry. And. Um, He's sitting there, and then like you were saying, Scott, Abigail comes out and just rapid fires about a mile a minute questions, one after another. And uh, she's asking, why don't you have a house? He says he travels a lot. And then she goes, how do you make your money? And that's when Joshua, the brave, says you shouldn't ask him about that. And Jesus says, well, I don't make money. I travel a lot. How do you make money? Happy. Just asking him how he makes money. I know, you shouldn't. It's okay. I don't make money when I travel. So for now, I build things and trade them for my food and clothing. Now, this has come up, too, in a, in a study. Actually, when I was at Elm Grove teaching the VBS, I, I was talking about uh, the coin with Caesar's image on it and paying the taxes and finding the coin in the fish, and somebody came up behind or afterwards, and I said something like, you know, just off the cuff, Jesus reached into his pocket and found a coin or whatever. I said something like that. And then somebody goes, well, Jesus never handled money. Have you, have you guys heard that before? Or is that just kind of some man-made added thing? Because it it was weird to me that he said that he doesn't get money for his work, but rather he trades for food and and services. Well, I've never I've never heard that. Now the fact that he uh, doesn't handle money is a foreign concept. Uh, he did say that in the in the movie, uh, but we know that there was money to be had because what was Judas in the group? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he held the treasure. Yeah, he was a treasurer. He kept a money purse. And so um, there was clearly money that came in and out. He wasn't foreign to money and he didn't he didn't right. condemn money. So uh, did he ever have any money in his hand? Well, surely at some point in time he I did. Mean, he was um, 30 years old when he started his ministry. You're telling me he lived for right. three decades and never bought anything with a shekel no, or right. something. That's that's silly. Right. But uh, but I, I, that's actually the second time I've heard that come up. This idea that Jesus never handed handled money and uh, I don't get any scriptural proof of that other than uh with, with, with the money in the fish he tells peter to take the money out that's really their their hinging on this concept that jesus didn't touch money is well he didn't reach into the fish and pull the money out he told peter to go and hand it and he didn't handle the money but judas handled them i think that's reading into to the yeah. scriptures just a little bit too much yeah. sometimes people want to make more out of something than is really there you know, and uh, they try to make it more spectacular than it really is oh jesus never even touched money I mean, come on, look at who he is and what he did. Do we really have to have him never touch a single piece of money to be special? You know what I'm saying? 
Jesus says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Jesus didn't really say it, but, but Paul told Timothy that. Yeah. So. And, and Jesus does say things like it's easier for a rich man uh, to get or a camel to get through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven and all of this stuff. Right. But, but the concept isn't money is, a, is necessary. Money isn't evil. You, you we're told to be good stewards of the blessings God gave us. You know, right. yeah. it's when we become so obsessed with money that it, it takes us away from God. It's it can become an idol. But uh, it's, the like idea most, of, it's like almost any other physical thing that exists. It's amoral. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not moral or immoral. It's amoral. There's no morals uh, inherently attached to it. The morals come from what you do with it or your your consideration of it. So, right. uh, you know, the television is is amoral. Now, there are some immoral things that come on. There's some moral things that come on. And it depends on how you use it as to whether or not it, it serves a moral or immoral purpose. You know, so. Well, it's like that concept. God made everything good, but man can take pretty much everything good and twist it into something bad, give it enough time. Yeah. I was just going to say, I did like in the show how, um, you know, they use the phrase very good several times. Very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Very good. You know, it just yeah. cut, it, cut, it put my mind back to creation. Yeah. Well, you know, you know try not to do that accent, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's the accent that they use. I mean, that's L- one of the things. Listen here, Apu. Uh, <laughs> Zach, there's a scene in the television show where Abigail mentions that her family's not rich, mm-hmm. and Jesus makes the comment, "Sometimes that's better." Right, and that and, stuck out to me as well as we talk about this. Now, obviously, this incident that's being portrayed again isn't recorded in the scriptures. This is just them trying to give a backstory or trying to fill in some gaps. And again, everything. They don't take anything away from the scriptures or add anything to it, really, in this episode. And so, for all we know, it probably didn't, but Jesus could have had an interaction like this with the kids before he started his ministry full tilt. Um, But uh, another thing that kind of caught my eye, there in that opening scene of, of Abigail walking into his camp... First of all, I really like the detail of all the tools that they had. Uh, one thing that, that I wrote down in my notes that I just write things that stick out to me. When Abigail picked up that knife the first time and she held her doll in front of her, did you think for a minute that she was going to chop the doll's head off? Because I did. <laughs> no, Zach. Actually, you're, you're a special kind, Zach. Oh, come on. She was holding the doll in one hand and the knife level with it. And they stared on that frame for a long time. And I'm like, she's going to cut that doll's head off. It's going to wow. find out that, that Abigail's going to be demoniac number two that's going to have to be taken care of here. You're right, you're though, about the detail that's in the camp, though, and the tools. That, that was a really neat piece of that scene. Uh, to see those, but no, I, I didn't. I wasn't concerned that the uh, dollar side was going to take place. Well, I'm glad. He lives Another, in a, Zach lives in a very scary world. <laughs> listen, man, uh, there, there's, there's, there's. You don't want to be in my brain, that's for sure. But anyways, uh, true words thing, were never spoken. One thing I really enjoyed about this too is as she's walking through the camp, we picture Jesus as a carpenter. Um, at least in my mind, I'm imagining him building, I don't know why, but ever since I was a kid, I imagined him building like dining room tables and stuff, like these big pieces of furniture. That's when I think of carpenter, that's what I think of. I, I do like that he kind of stepped on, uh, or said, I'm not a carpenter, but a craftsman, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, as somebody that was traveling around, doesn't have a home, um, yeah, it would be weird for him to carry around giant pieces of lumber to build tables out of. 
but just to see those delicate pieces of art that he made, the little boat and the spoons that he's carving and, and all of this stuff. It, it, talking about the gentle nature of Jesus, just that right there was kind of, you have to be gentle to be able to work wood that way. And again, it's not in the Bible, but it was just, it was a powerful message or visual, I should say, as I was watching that show to see that, um, what Jesus was making. A lot of the patience and the attention to detail. Right. See, Zach, when I saw the little canoe, I wondered to myself, could I make one of those? Because I thought that was really neat. I wonder what it would take to to make something like that. I see the other things, and I'm like, I, I couldn't do that. But the canoe. You see, I when I, 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 saw, I saw the little canoe, I thought to myself, is that canoe going to chop that doll's head off? I was... <laughs> She's going to take the canoe to the stream and drown the dog. That's right. <laughs> and the canoe's the getaway I, vessel. I thought we were I thought we were dealing with a little sociopath. I didn't know where the episode was going when I first watched it. So uh, she leaves Jesus the first time and uh we have this this um this visual of Jesus by fire firelight he's preparing to go to bed. He's uh he finished his project. He was building a lock and key, which again very interesting. I, I didn't know what locks would be like back then, but it seemed to work and, and serve the purpose of what yeah. Jesus was doing. Uh, and, and that goes to your point, Steve, what you were saying, when he fit the key in and, and all the mechanism clicked into place, he said, it is good before he goes to bed. And mm-hmm. yeah, it does drip, draw us back to, he's not creating the world, he's just creating this little lock and key, but he is God in the flesh. And so when he creates something that works, it's good. And then he says a prayer. Now, here's a question I've got for you guys. Uh, we see him going to bed at least twice in that episode, and every time he says the same, same prayer. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings sleep to my eyes, slumber to my eyes. So my question that I have for you is, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus condemns vain repetition in prayer. But the more I'm thinking about that, did that stick out to you as something that bugged you, or I don't? I wouldn't say that it bugged me. Um, there's a difference between repetition and vain repetition. You mm-hmm. understand? Yeah. Um, like when when I pray, whenever I pray, I don't know about you, but whenever I pray, oh, it always includes asking God to forgive me for sins. Right. And many times, you know, I'm able to name those specifically, and sometimes not. But I still pray for forgiveness. I still pray for my children and grandchildren, and so. I include those in my prayers. Now, it's it's not main repetition, but many times it, it involves the same words. But it it I, I think the difference is that when you when you when you see Jesus pray those prayers, he's praying. Like you said earlier, you can feel the emotion in it. He's not mm-hmm. just saying words. but He's it's actually he's like he's actually speaking to the father. So I. You know, sometimes I change the wording up on purpose just so I make sure that it's not just worthless repetition, but you know, vain means empty or meaningless. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so if there's a meaning behind it, then it's not vain, even if it is repetitious. Well, and, and you know, I, and as I was thinking about that, I was going to bring that out as something I, I didn't like, but I've watched this episode twice today and once earlier in the week. And uh, the more I watched it, the more I was thinking of, well, our, my bedtime routine that I have for my two year old, you know, every every night we we say a personalized "Now I lay me" prayer. You know that that prayer that taught probably taught you guys how to pray, and and certainly taught me how to pray when I was growing up. And yes, it's the same prayer every night, and it's trying to build this habit of praying to God before going to bed. 
Is that vain? Is that meaningless? No, there's there's meaning behind it. And and they only bring this up because when we were doing a review of the uh, the previews of the show, there was that scene of Jesus sitting around with the kids doing the Lord's Prayer. And I remember when we were watching that the first time, me and Scott kind of took that out to the woodshed a little bit, going, we why did. would he teach him that? But like he asked the kids to recite the Shema, we have to remember that these are Jewish children. A big part of the Jewish religion was repetition of the law, repetition of these prayers, repetition of the Psalms. And so to teach the kids how to pray in a new way, it makes sense that he would teach them something they could repeat until they could get it uh, uh, yeah. in their heads and kind of take it over. See, and I've heard you do the prayer with your son several times, and it is repetitious, but there's nothing vain about it. And Joseph has gotten to the point where he can say part of that with you um, as, as he's repeating along with you. The other thing I think about, too, with how it is to prayer, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and pray not to be seen by other men. And the thing I thought about as we're talking here, when we take a look at Jesus, uh, when he is alone at night, there's no audience there. It's just him. You know, the, the picture, you know, we see the picture because it's a, uh, a TV show, but it would have been just Jesus praying to God. Right. Uh, and I know one of the huge issues that Jesus had to address, too, was those Pharisees that would pray just to be seen by other men, uh, that it would become vain. And uh, there was no heartfelt emotion, no love that was coming for that, which is not the case with Jesus. That's a good question, though, and I think it's a good thing for us to discuss. Well, that's why I asked it, Scott. I don't ask <laughs> stupid questions. Nope, you never do. <laughs> <laughs> you should ask this old teacher over here before you make a statement like that. <laughs> the one thing that did stand out for me is when he did teach the children the model prayer. And um, to me, it's bringing it out awful early. Because we really don't see that until the Sermon on the Mount when he's teaching yeah. his disciples how to pray. So um, is it possible that before he actually taught his disciples how to pray, he taught these little kids? Well, we're de dealing with the extra biblical, so we can't say that didn't happen. You know, but it, it, it um, you know, it seems to have come out come out earlier than probably it did in reality. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's for the plot. It's for the TV show. You know. well, that and... He says something at the end that kind of allowed me to forgive most everything that I had a problem with when he's talking to those kids. And he's saying that he has to go on and find a new group of people to teach. And basically, he's saying that he wishes that the people he was going to teach would be as receptive yeah. as these kids were going to be. Ask the same kind of questions. It really, uh, it, it really hit home that not that we know that something like this happened, but I could see why someone who's starting a ministry full-time would want to start out with these children who are just innocent, asking the right questions, are engaged, want to, to listen to the things that he has to say. And uh, I, I don't know. that This episode from basically start to finish gave me a lot of chills, but we'll keep talking about that. So the following day... We see Abigail coming back, but this time not only has she brought Joshua the Brave, but she brought like 17 other kids with her. And there's that moment I really liked. I actually laughed at this. Is uh, They're all crowded around Jesus. You hear that one little girl ask, Just leave him alone. Is he dead? Shh. <laughs> 
Jesus well, you know, the Bible does equate death and sleep. Yeah, yep. but but uh, it's just, you know, that innocent of children, they, they really did play it out very well. Yeah. And then to have Jesus wake up and look at him and go, you guys couldn't have given me another half hour. Uh, again, just the way they're portraying Jesus as a human being is just, it's really awesome. It really is. So they ask if they can hang out with Jesus. Jesus says they can as long as they help. And then as they are, uh, as they're helping Jesus, the, this really adorable girl, that, that, that real small one, uh, asks, You seem nice. Are you dangerous? Hmm. Maybe to some. But no, not to you. And I won't harm anyone. Yeah. And, and, and again, that, uh, that the way that they were portraying Jesus's mission, just in little hints here, instead of just coming straight out and saying it, is, it was, again, it was great. I, I don't have anything with that. Did, is there anything you want to add to that part? I agree. He wasn't identifying himself to them yet as the Messiah. Uh, he hinted around to it. You know, he hinted around to it several times, but he didn't come out and, and claim to be the Messiah to them. Uh, you know, the time for the re the revelation of that truth was to come later. But, mm -hmm. you know, he, he definitely hinted to it in, in situations like what you're talking about there. Yeah, and, and then, you see a glimpse a couple times of of uh, uh, that right there um, when he said, I won't hurt anybody. Uh, he knows what's laying ahead of him. And, yeah. you know, they ask about the friends and said, will they like you? And said, well, some of them, uh, you know, will, will like him. It's it's interesting to me to see that he knows what's going to happen going forward and trying to reveal that piece by piece and not to um, worry those kind of things with the kids. Uh, another thing that, that came out, this is the scene where he asked the kids to recite the Shema. First of all, what is the Shema? I should have researched it, but I ran out of time. Well, it's basically the hero Israel, the Lord that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Okay. That's that's basically the Shema. The look on Jesus' face as that is being recited, just the the love he has for these little kids that know his father's words. Yeah. It, it gave me chills. I mean, it, it that made me well up. Just the emotion that, that that actor portrayed. He's probably the the best actor I've seen portray Jesus ever. And uh, he's doing such a good job. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. And they keep, he's, he did a good job. And they keep coming back to his job in this scene. And he takes this opportunity to tell them that... Uh, Yes, he's a he's a craftsman. Yes, he's a carpenter, but he has a bigger job. He has a much larger job than just his trade. And then he tells the kids that everyone has a bigger job than just what they are doing on Earth. So, why don't you have a home? My home is many places. Why? Because I have a much larger job than just being a craftsman or a teacher. You're a teacher too? I will be soon. What other job? Everyone has a much larger job than just their trade. And you are more than just students. You are at school to show love to one another and to take God's word and to share it. And at home, to honor your father and mother. And most important, from the law of Moses, to love who? The Lord, your God, with all your heart. Very good, Joshua the Brave. So, 
I will be doing my work in many places. And to go back to calling Jesus the master teacher, by saying this, he, he gets that point across that, yes, we can be, you know, uh, I don't know, police officers and Christians. We have what we are on earth, and then we have what we are above that, what we will be for, for all eternity. The fact that we all have something else to do besides just our secular work. And he was able to, to get that across just with that one phrase, that we all have more to do than just our jobs. Yes, yeah, so it, it reminded me very much of reading from the Gospel according to John, uh, from reading from the fourth Gospel, because that was his very point, was, yes, we live here physically, but, you know, the spiritual things that are taking place are much more important. And that's one of the things I try to get across uh, many times in the pulpit is you may you may have a job that you work, but it, let's say you're a teacher, you're a Christian teacher, not a teacher who's a Christian you're a Christian teacher, or if you work on a, a factory, you are a, a Christian factory worker. Um, and so the the spiritual aspect comes first. And it seems like it, it seems like that he was really trying to get that idea across to these young kids. And and they were they seemed to be uh, picking up on it, you know, uh, the way that they portrayed it in the in the show. It goes back to what Jesus tells his apostles later on that uh, to inherit the kingdom of God, you have to become like one of these children. Well, they're not skeptical, you know? They're taking what he's saying, they're asking questions, they're trying to understand it, but they don't have their own preconceived notions or, or prejudices developed yet, and so they're able to just take Jesus' word as Jesus' word. And uh, that that's another lesson that, that shined through this without them going directly... Uh, and saying, this is what we're trying to show you, or this is what we're doing. You see the purity of the children and how they're honest, they're eager, uh, they're innocent, and they just they want to gain what Jesus has to offer and tell them they're fascinated by him. And you can see that as there's the scenes as they uh, walk along in the fields or as they were sitting there at his feet, uh, they're working together, and, and just that uh, opportunity for them to hear those things that he's saying. And what a great thing it is that you can recognize as a teacher when sometimes you're doing those tasks that aren't necessarily uh, geared toward religious learning uh, that you're doing everyday events. That There's so much learning that can take place of how we need to be as Christians. And I saw that in the film and it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, the kids, the, the love that they uh, had for Jesus and that which they wanted to learn. Hmm. So... Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a, then we have a montage of Jesus walking with the kids. He's carrying some goods into town. He's, he's teaching the kids the, the model prayer. Then there's a scene in that montage that, I don't know, I just want to get your opinion on because I feel like the show was trying to tell us something, but I didn't get what they were trying to tell us. During that montage, Jesus has cut himself somewhere on his arm, and he's dressing the wound, and they, they show all of that. And I'm not 100% sure why they did. Well, if I had to guess, and because I, I remember that part, that scene, and um, we all know that Jesus had miraculous powers. We all know that he could heal anyone from anywhere at any time. But to me, it harkens to uh, like the temptations in the wilderness. Yeah. Did Jesus have the ability to do the things that Satan accused him of? Yes. But why did he not? Because those abilities, those powers were not his for 
personal gain for personal use. And okay. so um, for him to heal himself would have been a misuse of those powers. And so that's that's kind of where my mind went when I saw him bandaging himself instead of, you know, making it making it go away miraculously. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think about miracles at that point in time. But now that you said it, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it just made that scene pretty powerful that he's, you know, wrapping, dressing his wound instead of uh, instead of just healing it away. Just healing. Yeah. And I think, too, how Jesus knows each and everything that we go through, you know, as he's become our mediator now, uh, he understands and realizes any type of pain or problem that we have because he's had to experience it. And you almost wonder what, how, how many things uh, did Jesus go through, not just the cross, but, you know, his, his 30, 33 years of life before he mm -hmm. got there, what did he have to experience and go through that we like humans do? Well, we know it's all things. Um, and, you know, what, what would that have been? like for him and we know that he did not abuse that to be able to um be one that could mediate many mediate for us uh in in you know for us today yeah so instead of being the the high priest uh uh the uh, archierus he is the hierus megon the high priest, the great priest you know that's what that's the difference between him and the high priest that I have Hebrew no idea what about. you just said, but I'm pretty sure it was offensive. Well, it would have been to use that because it spoke to ignorance. Wow. <laughs> not, your no, not your ignorance. If, if, pe if people didn't speak to my ignorance, no one would ever talk to me ever. <laughs> well, it, to, to Scott's point, he was talking about um, the ability of Jesus to be our mediator. And that's why the Hebrew writer says that he is a better priest than those that we had because the high priest, you know, which is in Greek is the, the archierus, the high priest had certain abilities, had certain responsibilities, but Jesus is the hierus megon, and megon is the Greek word for great, so he's not the great priest, which gives him a status above the high priest because he did have those that ability to do miraculous things, but he didn't use it for personal gain. He was able to experience everything that we experience, so he knows how to mediate on our behalf, but he's also God. And so that's a part of him becoming the great priest that's able to effectively mediate and be our advocate and mediate on our behalf. One thing I, I we kind of glossed over, but... Uh... One thing I liked was when the kids are walking home from that first day with with Jesus, and they're they're talking about who Jesus is. Yeah. Now they're saying that he's he's stronger than Samson. Or maybe he's the best Buddha who ever lived. Or maybe he's stronger than Samson. Maybe he's going to be a new teacher at synagogue school. I think he's maybe a new prophet, and he'll show us the word of God. No, there's no new prophets. Rabbi Josiah said so. But maybe he's a murderer. He is not. But maybe that's why he's by himself. He's running and hiding. Yeah, and probably he's pretending to be a builder, so no one will that's know. That's not true. He's building stuff with us. We're watching him do it. Yeah, he's smart, so we should listen. But maybe we're even helping him build weapons, and we don't even know it. No, he's a good man. I think so, too. I like him. I'm just saying, maybe he's a criminal. But no matter what, we all agree. We don't tell anyone about him, right?
Uh, mm. And one says, maybe he's, uh, what did he say? Maybe he's a murderer. Yep. Yeah. He goes, no, he's not a murderer. He's a nice guy. And he goes, well, I'm not saying he's not nice, but he still could be a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then that little girl gets it right. She says, I think he's maybe a new prophet. Yep. And, uh, I mean, again, that innocent, the most innocent of all those kids get it right. It, it really does speak to as innocent as we can when we approach Jesus. That's how we're going to learn the most about him. Yeah. yeah. The humility and meekness that it requires, yeah. So uh, another part of this montage that's playing through, and, and it's a kind of a theme throughout the episode, is Jesus is, besides his prayers that he says before he eats, besides the prayers that he says for, before he goes to bed, he's praying to God to speak to him with anxiety, uh, saying, speak to me. Uh, and, and that brought up a question I never really thought. Do you think Jesus would have that anxiety to start his ministry? Um, he had it toward the end. Well, he definitely had the anxiety towards going to the cross, but right. what, what, I mean, at the beginning, can you picture Jesus kind of like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rock. Why, why are we, uh, I'm just I mean, waiting. I, I think he would, and that, that's my opinion, but you know, he, he realizes what, what is in front of him. Uh, you know, again, I, I say that he knows what he's going to have to go through over the next three years. And he knows that there will be friends that will make people that will follow. But we know that Jesus is one that's very studied in the old scripture. So he knows that all are going to forsake him and what his ultimate, ultimate death is going to be upon that cross. Um, and I, I never thought about him praying with anxiety there, but I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's a good adjective to kind of describe that. Uh, but I personally, I think he would. Um, and I say that to go back to uh, something we mentioned earlier, you know, he understands from all human perspective, what we go through here to me, it would stand to reason that he would experience that. Then we get into this big, sermon that Jesus is giving, or the big lesson that we actually get to see outside of the montage. So what did you do? I tried to walk away, but he wouldn't stop pushing me. So I pushed him so hard he fell down. And that's why you were punished. Did you expect something different? But even Torah says eye for eye. Why should I be punished too? Yes, but that is for a judge. You were hardly in a court of law. And you, all of you, are to be special. You are to act differently than others. You tell us to be gentle, but Rabbi Josiah said Messiah would lead us against the Romans, that he would be a great military leader. It is important to respect your teachers and honor your parents. And Rabbi Josiah is a smart man, but many times smart men lack wisdom. Is there anything in scripture that says Messiah will be a great military leader. There are many things about scripture that you cannot understand yet, and that is okay, that is fine. You have many years ahead of you, and God does not reveal all things at once. But children, what if many of the things that our people think about how we are to behave and how we are to treat one another are wrong? You want things to be fair, when someone wrongs you, you want to right it. And you know who else loves justice? But what does the Lord say in the law of Moses 
about justice and vengeance. Vengeance is mine. Yes, very good. Very good. Boys, pay attention. She doesn't even go to Torah class, huh? <laughs> the Lord loves justice. But maybe it is not ours to handle. Do you remember when David had the chance to kill King Saul, who was evil to him? But he didn't. Saul was God's anointed. And it was not the right time for justice. And God says he will have compassion on his people when... What? Let's see if someone who studies this at school is learning, huh? When their strength is gone? Yes, very good. So, maybe we let God provide the justice. Hmm? Maybe we handle these things in a different way. Not trying to be the strongest all the time. Even Messiah? He will have to see. But do not expect Messiah to arrive in Jerusalem on a tall horse carrying weapons. And he will be most pleased with those of you who are the peacemakers. And it starts out with that little boy telling Jesus that he pushed a kid so hard he fell down. And Jesus said, well, that's why you were punished. Did you expect something different? But even the Torah says, uh, or the, the boy says, well, the law of Moses says an eye for an eye. And Jesus goes, well, that's for a judge. And he says, you're not a judge in a court of law. And he brings out the fact that justice, judgment, eye for an eye, doesn't exist in the Christian age, that that justice belongs to God. Our job is to be gentle. Our job is to be different than the rest of the world. And what a powerful message uh, that was brought out right there. And what an excellent explanation of turn the other cheek. Like I said, I mean, he had the, he had the ability to uh, teach very difficult, um, very difficult concepts and really, in some ways, some abstract to those that are still in a fairly concrete way of think mindset, you know, in these children, but to teach them in a way that that they would understand exactly what the scriptures mean um, in a way that most adults today I haven't been able to figure out, by the way, this idea of of humility and deference to others, especially deference to God in his level of vengeance and not uh, seeking vengeance for yourself. And and he even says, you know, you want to be the tough one. You want to be the strong one, you know, but uh, why not? Why not be different? Did you almost get the feeling like with him, with him, with the kids, that it was a mini sermon on the Mount scene in, in, in principle? It, it seemed very similar to that, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it really I, did. I got Sermon on the Mount, but really what I got was what he did there was a very just good summary of Jesus's message in general. Like they took all of Jesus's teachings and kind of smushed it into this very easy to understand digestible lesson. Like I, I half don't want to put this out so no one at the congregation hears it just so I can preach this lesson and pretend it's mine because it's fantastic. <laughs> It is. It's 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 an incredible lesson, and yeah. the same the same value that's brought through in this in this episode with what Jesus said is the the same thing that people all over the world need to hear the simplicity of of what Jesus had to say and how that can change should change the lives of people that hear it. 
And another thing I want to bring out from this lesson is uh, he's telling them to be gentle. And then they go, yeah, but Rabbi Josiah said that the Messiah is going to be leading us against the Romans and that he's going to be a great military leader. And then what does Jesus do? He doesn't go, well, you know, he doesn't say Rabbi Josiah is a moron. You shouldn't listen to him. But he instead, he's just gentle throughout the whole thing. He's saying, well, he sounds like a very smart guy. And it's important to respect your teachers and honor your parents. But many times, smart men lack wisdom. And that right there, again, just boom. How many people do you come across in the church, and maybe you've even struggled with this temptation yourself, that you think you know something? And, you know, you're smart, you're capable, but you just lack that wisdom. You need to be able to humble yourself again to come to Jesus. That's that's really the, the message this entire episode is humility, and humble yourself to prepare yourself for Jesus. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, before we go into anything cheesy, can I just... I just want to ask real quick, Jesus. <laughs> Scott, I never thought I'd hear you say before we go on to something cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's point well taken, Zach. Point well taken. Yeah, you're already uh, on here, Scott. Jesus, before he went to bed, uh, washed his feet. Yes. And that's a natural custom to do. But man, when I watch that, I just couldn't help but think about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And mm-hmm. just, you know, for those of us that know the Bible, we, we know the significance of, of that story. But to see Jesus do it with his own feet uh, prior to him going into the tent to go to sleep, it, it, just, it just really impressed upon me. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Did you guys think anything of it when when that happened? Or yeah, I did. It was, oh, yeah. it, I, I, you know, it it evoked. Obviously, I'm thinking about him washing the disciples' feet, and it just, you know, brought us back to humility again. Um, I, glad, I glad I brought that up. <laughs> I will say that I enjoyed him explaining the Messiah to these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he sh- he showed a, a you know a his comprehension of the Messiah right. um, was excellent. Uh, and the, the thing is, I'm not sure what denominational bent uh, this is coming from. I, I almost guarantee. Oh, actually no, his dad wrote the left behind series. So uh-huh. see, which, which leads you to believe, you know, that, I mean, it just leads you to believe that many times in the denominational world, um, that view of the Messiah is not held. Right. You know, um, you know, especially with those who are premillennials. And so for him to say, you know, the Lord's not not intended to come with, with a sword and a weapon on a big horse to uh, be a military leader. Right. Um, you know, showed a showed a comprehension. It surprised me. Well, yeah, because if, if his dad is a premillennialist who believes in, you know, the New Jerusalem and everything, then your Jesus is that military leader. He's going right. to come back right. and conquer Jerusalem. But I, I don't know. From what I, I see of the little bit of uh, uh, fluff at the beginning and end of each episode that I skip, if I was going to have to guess, I, I would say he's probably community church, which, yeah, 
you know, uh, universalist, but but he got he got the Messiah right here when he wrote this. So right, yeah. I like I said, there's not really any cheesy moments in here. All the jokes landed. Everything was funny. Um, let's move on to a section where we just talk about anything that that we didn't like from this episode. Anybody else have any problems with anything that they saw crop up that, that really was just like, whoa, we need to talk about this. It was unscriptural. It was wrong. It was bad. The only thing, and this is so stupid, it, it, it struck me that when Jesus was throwing uh, wood onto the fire, <laughs> Man, you are grasping at straws when you're talking about Jesus throwing wood on the fire. I'm know, sorry. Because here's the question. The wood was so nicely split. Was it a 10-pound maul or a 16-pound maul that he was able to split the wood with? Oh, He's goodness. a carpenter, dude. He could split it. I mean, you know, he knows tricks know. better than you do. <laughs> He's a professional woodworker and craftsman. Oh uh, my! I know. No, how I he... would say, huh? I said I know how he didn't split it, and that's miraculously. Yeah, and he he didn't use a uh, he didn't go buy his uh, splitter at uh, Rural King or Tractor Supply. Of course not. He never handled money. Right there, you go. Uh, there was there was one scene when they're sitting around the table um, when she asks uh, Abigail asks her mom if she can go over and play the second day, mm-hmm. and they have this conversation about the other daughter who I guess it's a daughter who's married and having trouble and yada yada, and the wife goes on and says, you know, you should go and see her. And gives him all the instructions and and uh, you know he says I got other things to do, and she says you should go and say, I'll try. And Joanna just isn't doing better, which will mean she will have to see if they will give her space to sell her headdresses at the market. And even if they do, which doesn't seem likely, because last time I was at the market it looked full, she has to find time to make them. But she needs to focus her time on helping him get better so he can return to work before they give his job to someone else. (sighs) She just seems so scared. Do you think you could stop by tomorrow to see if she needs help with anything? Hmm? Can you stop tomorrow to see if she needs help with anything? Joanna, hmm? I have to stay late myself. I don't have time to. I will see. Thank you. It will mean so much to her. You know how she gets. <laughs> and then the wife, you know, mm-hmm. it's not done. She says, no, no, what time are you going over to see her? You should really go at this time. So what time are you going to go see Joanna tomorrow? I was thinking the evening might be better. And it just, I started having flashbacks. <laughs> you know what? I was, uh, I, 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 I got to be honest. I had that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Where, where I, I really don't have time to do this tomorrow, honey. Yeah, you do. You have time right here. Okay. I have time. <laughs> and she uh, is such a good wife that she was trying to take the husband's mind off the fact that he didn't want to do it. And all of a sudden, focus on what time he can go do it. Because now, the husband's in control. He gets to pick the time. This is the... Uh, again, I, I said this in our first episode, that this show has teeth. And what I mean by that is is they don't kind of shy away from the realness. Sometimes when you get into religious films and movies and television shows like this, is that everything is just seen through rose-tinted glasses. It's all soft around the edges and, and perfect. Mm-hmm. And you lose that realism. And the fact that this is the second episode in a row that we're talking about an argument between, or a, uh, not even an argument, but a confrontation, something real between husband and wife, uh, 
I, I really enjoy this. It really kind of sucks me in to the whole realism. I can escape to first century uh, Palestine because, yes, they're not speaking Hebrew or, or Greek, but they are talking like normal people talk. And I will give the uh, filmmaker credit for that. Normally we can crack jokes and, and stuff, but in this one I really have nothing to... I mean, when you're pulling out the wood being thrown on the fire... <laughs> yeah, that's it. How'd you get that split? I mean, we, are, we are trying we real hard it. to... Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's all I got. I, but I, I did find something that drove me nuts. And I gotta tell you, I, look, I'm... I'm I'm known for just being calm and patient to to people, and I, what? I definitely have uh, the ability to um, abide stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting how long. I was waiting how long it was going to take you to crack. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I thought we were on the on the. Uh, 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 what are we, uh, see, this is where the old guy comes in the conference call. I thought we were on the conference here with Zach Geiler. Who are you? <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm halfway tempted to just buy the series, Scott, just so I don't ever have to see the director again. I, I know. Oh, that is brutal. But I will say, uh, just in the five or 30 seconds, really, of what I watched, uh, he said something that um, that made me want to vomit. Because he's sitting there with his spiky hair. But... Uh, He's sitting there, and obviously they did this live stream during the beginning of the corona outbreak and uh, social distancing and everything. And he sits there with his wife, and he goes, obviously, we're not practicing social distancing. And then he goes, at all. And Oh, my. Too much information, bro. You just made a beautiful movie about Jesus, and now you put that thought into my head? Ugh, go away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that, that, you talk about cheese. Oh, uh, we're not practicing social distancing at all. Oh, you know, to the pure, all things are pure. Maybe he was being honest. I'm sure he was, and it was gross. <laughs> now that we've covered the episode pretty thoroughly, it is time for this week's edition of Completely Random, Absolutely Fair, Totally Unbiased. Now it's time for this week's edition of Completely Random, Absolutely Fair, Totally Unbiased Bible Trivia Game. It is where I ask our guests and Scott trivia questions. I'm going to each give you five completely random Bible quotes this week. This week's edition is the Who Said It edition. Your guys' job is to tell me who said that quote. Now, Steve, don't, don't worry because Scott, as of this moment, has scored a grand total of zero out of a possible oh. ten. All right, Steve, your first hmm. quote who said this? I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Um, I would say the Lord did. I'm going to have to go to the judges. Um, they said, yep, you got it. One point for Steve. Okay, Scott. Yes. Who said this? Go ahead. End quote. Jesus. Wrong. We were looking for Pharaoh's daughter from Exodus 2 in verse 8. <laughs> Quote number two, Steve. Who said this? For me, I baptize you with water for repentance, 
But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, let's see, John the Baptist. Correct. Uh, amazing. Scott, you don't have a point on the board, but I'm, I'm feeling good for you. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. Okay, okay. Scott. <laughs> second quote. Who said this? Okay. I have a message from God for you. Uh, Moses. Wrong. We were looking for Ehud from Judges 3 and verse 20. Judges 3.20, Ehud. I just said that. <laughs> All right. Steve, quote number three. <clears throat> this okay. is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Uh, God the Father. Correct again. Okay, Scott, quote number three. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll put a, an inflection on it so that way you can get it a little bit better. Okay. It works so far. Quote three. Are these things so? Maybe if I say it like Nicodemus from the last episode. Are these things so? Uh, that would be the Pharisees. I need you to be more specific. Ananias. The high priest during Stephen's defense in Acts 7 and verse 1. So, I don't know if that was Ananias. Steve. The purpose of this it was. Steve, was that Ananias? Uh, Annas was the uh, high priest, not Ananias. Oh, Annas. Yes, yes you're Annas, still Annas wrong. Woo! Scott's still and, wrong. Okay, and I think I was going to... Oh my goodness, that was that was close. <laughs> I think okay. I was going to burn a couch tonight. All right. <laughs> Quote number four, Steve. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. <laughs> Who in the world could have said that? Uh, let, let me think about it. Was 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 it was it Jesus in Acts chapter nine? I am Jesus, huh? whom you are persecuting. Mm -hmm. Scott, you're. Fourth quote, you were really close to getting a point, Whew. but you didn't. Your fourth quote is this. It is I. That would have been uh, Samuel. Wrong. That was Asahel to Abner in 2 Samuel 2 and verse 20. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's your final question for your final quote steve you're on a roll for for getting five out of five okay this one's a little bit tougher now i paul myself <laughs> urge you by the meekness and gentleness of christ i who am meek when face to face with you but bold towards you when absent um let me think about it i think that that was um Paul the Apostle. Let me see. Five for five, man. Correct. All right, Scott. Come on, man. Just get one point. Unfair your final, question. I mean, randomly chosen the, question Your final five. randomly chosen, totally unbiased, completely fair quote is this. Here is your servant. Mm, Amos. I'm sorry, Scott. Now you are zero for 15. We were looking, we were looking for Mephibosheth to David. In 2 Samuel 9 and verse 6. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. 
<sighs> well, it's okay. Maybe you'll get them next week. I'm the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers of this quiz. Well, it's totally unbiased and random. I don't know what to tell yeah, you. It's, yeah. <laughs> okay. Can you answer this question? Who said yeah. this? It is I, the Lord. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. You had the exact question. It is I. Yeah, and you're who, right. I, I mean, how how much more obvious can I get than Asahel to Ab- Abner? <laughs> Let's move on to our rating. Here at Rotten or Righteous, we rate everything on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 to 5 means that something is rotten and you should avoid it, like somebody that has leprosy in the first century. While 6 to 10 is righteous, which means you should probably, you know, watch it. It's going to be good. I don't know. All right, Steve, you're our guest, so what what, what are you going to rate this and why? I would give it probably somewhere in the seven vicinity. I really liked it. I liked the character that it portrayed. I liked a lot about it, um, but it was extra biblical. Uh, and so then it's really hard to rate the uh, the real scripturality of the actual events. So uh, while I cannot endorse and say, yeah, this is how things went, um, you know, I definitely think that it, it brings across the character of Jesus that we sometimes miss when we read the scriptures. And so I think it's very good. Uh, and if you have an opportunity to watch episode three, I don't, I don't think you hurt yourself doing so, but you know, I would rate it higher if it had been an actual scene from the Bible that we could go and compare, uh, you know, or contrast with the actual scriptures. Fair enough. Seven Scott. Okay, I would, I'm going to rate this episode an 8.5. Again, I was very impressed with the actors in this. I think they've done a great job portraying some different emotions that it's really good for the viewer to pick up on and kind of delve into the characters and understand a bit. I perfectly agree with Steve. It's not, it's not biblically based. It's, it's extra that uh, certainly we can't find anything uh, wrong with to say, well, it never happened or it did happen. We simply don't know. Uh, but I think you see the character of Jesus in this, his love for children. And I think it's also very uh, telling, too, that the actors that uh, were the children really came out and showed their love for him and how they were so excited to learn. And I think uh, it's well worth the watch. I would encourage uh, everybody to watch this particular episode. And it was very enjoyable. And uh, uh, it really makes me think about children, how we need to be childlike and really just eager to listen to God and what he has to say. All right. Well, I'm going to do something that I have not done yet, and I'm giving this episode a perfect 10. Ooh. It was, it was, I loved it. From start to finish, I loved it. Um, there was no part of it that I was cringing at, like in the previous episodes. There was no, there was no, there was nothing blatant that I needed to talk about or, or make fun of. Everything was funny. All the actors did their jobs. Jesus portrayed his rule perfectly. Yes, it's extra biblical. Yes, we can't compare it to say that this actually happened, but every single thing that Jesus said was something that he taught later on. So if anything, this is a tool that can bring other people to the Bible. And plus, I think that every single older member of the church should sit down and watch this episode because it shows how important youth is and how 
perfect they are to receive the gospel now and why it is so important that we focus on the children because it's the future of the church. And just that alone, because that's such a, a big... I know, I, I'm taking a bold stance here, but it's such a big thing I harp on is children of the future of the church and making sure that mothers with babies feel welcome and uh, nobody's being told to leave an auditorium because they have a crying infant or anything like that. Uh, it, it, was, it was just so very fantastic. So, honestly, this episode, to me, was as perfect as a faith-based episode could possibly get. So the average oh. this week was an 8.5, which is the highest it's been in our uh, our previous podcast. Yeah, I was actually thinking it was going to be higher than that, but it's okay. You well, can... I had to go throw the 7 in there. Yeah, you messed it up. So there you have it. 8.5 is our official Rotten and Righteous rating for the ep- third episode of The Chosen. I highly encourage you, even if you don't watch the rest of the series, just watch this episode. You won't be disappointed. I want to thank... Scott, as always, for coming on here, and uh, he didn't make a lot of noise today, so that was good. I was practicing that. I practiced all week. I've sat in this chair for two hours each evening and tried to be as quiet as I could. Ah, that must have been tough for you. (laughs) You don't know the half of it. Thank you for listening to the Rotten and Righteous podcast. Uh, Thank you to Steve for coming and, and joining us here. Next week we'll be covering episode four, and our guest will be Michael Forche, so we look forward to that. But uh, please continue to share and like this podcast. Give it five stars if you're listening to it on iTunes. Uh, give us your feedback. You can, you can message us if you didn't agree with something that we said. You didn't agree with our, our ranking at uh, rottenorrighteous at gmail.com. But until next time, I've been Zach Kyler, and you've been, well, whoever you are. All I can say is it's kind of nice being a winner. (laughs) You know what? What? I'm about to say something right now. I don't don't normally say, but I'm going to say it out of frustration. Roll Tide. Ooh. Ooh. both of you. Why would you say that? you kiss your wife with that mouth? (laughs) No, she doesn't kiss me. This is why you and Ellie are practicing social distancing. (laughs) (laughs) Right.